Good morning. This morning's reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. You can drink the cup I drink, or can you drink the cup I drink, or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at the right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thanks, Mike. Good morning, everyone. You can be seated. Before we take a look at uh, what our Lord has in mind for us to learn today, um, if we want a glimpse of a world turned in on itself, all we need to do is look to the entertainment world. Uh, Back in 2006, when Michael Jackson was asked to perform at the World Music Awards, his concert rider stipulated a private jet for Jackson and his 20-person entourage, as well as an entire five-star hotel just for he and his entourage. Not only that, but he wanted a wall knocked out between two hotel suites and an 18-foot high wall built around the entire hotel. At that point in time, it was one of the most expensive concert riders ever, costing the show $470,000. That didn't even include whatever Jackson got paid to appear at the event. Just this past May 2017, Justin Bieber in a concert in Mumbai, India, the Biebs needed a private jet on standby, mind you, Haribo Cola gummies, several packages of white t-shirts, a dozen white handkerchiefs, and a personal chef who would make dishes named after his songs. Mariah Carey insists on a new toilet seat and gold faucets in her hotel suite, and special mineral water for bathing purposes. Her dressing room must have kittens and puppies, crystal champagne, a box of bendy straws, and an attendant to take her used chewing gum. Madonna requires all of the furniture in her hotel suite to be removed and replaced with her own pieces of furniture, which she has shipped in. She expects 20 international telephone lines installed in her room, as well as special white and pink roses that must have the stems cut to precisely six inches. Katy Perry's 
45-page writer insists that her driver not speak or make eye contact with her. Jennifer Lopez requires that her coffee be stirred counterclockwise. P. Diddy requires a large supply of napkins in his own dressing room with his name printed on each one. He's the only one in the room. David Hasselhoff insists on a life-size cutout of himself backstage. Self-serving. It's all about me. Self-obsessed, self-focused, self-driven, self-promoting, self-acquisition. This is the way of greatness demonstrated in the world around us. Now, before you and I are tempted to take a smug, indignant attitude towards such thinking and behavior, perhaps we would do well to take a long, hard look at our own selves in the mirror. Are we really any different? I mean, let's be honest. Part of our obsession with social media has to do with the me factor. Look at me. Listen to me. Watch me. Friend me. In our relationships at home, at school, at work, in the community, even at church, we all have our own moments when it's all about me. Selfish agendas, prideful motives. In our pursuit to get whatever it is we want, we throw our weight around, we stomp our feet, slam down our fists, we raise our voices, we argue, rant, and rail. We make other people's lives miserable until we get whatever it is that we want. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we deceive, we manipulate. We bully, we bluster, we belittle, we, we throw people under the bus, and then we wipe our shoes off on them. And lining, in, in, in the end, it's not about you. I don't care about you, because it's all about me. This is the route which all of us travel all too often. Our own attitudes, our own actions testify that if you want to be great in this world, then that's how you go about getting there. And lining the ditches on the left and the right of this route that we all travel are the lives of countless individuals whom we have shamelessly run into and run over just to move one inch closer to wherever it is we're trying to get. My friends, stop. Look. Listen. The way of the world is not the way of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' attitude and action demonstrate a greatness that comes from turning one's focus off of self and on to others, from inward to outward. And that is exactly the way that the Lord, what the Lord is trying to teach us in our message, in our sermon, our gospel lesson for today. It's helpful to know that leading up to this moment, Jesus had been taking some time at length to talk about the coming kingdom of God. And as Jesus taught, 
James and John perceived an insider's opportunity to secure positions of greatness for themselves in God's kingdom. Now, in the Greek language, I don't know if there is an expression for calling dibs, but that is exactly what James and John attempted to do. Like two kids calling dibs on who's going to sit in the front seat of the family car. James and John called dibs on the seats to the right and to the left of Jesus in His kingdom of glory. Now, interestingly, Mark records that no sooner had they done this, that when the ten, the other disciples, heard about this, they became indignant at James and John. Now, my question is, were they indignant at the audacity of James and John's request or because they themselves didn't think about it first. Either way, the disciples failed to recognize that what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. As the early church father Augustine once wrote, they sought the exaltation, but did not see the step. So Jesus called His disciples together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. You see, Jesus makes clear that greatness in the kingdom of God is not evidenced by becoming someone who is served, but by being someone who does the serving. In God's kingdom, the mark of greatness is self-sacrifice. And to illustrate this, all Jesus had to do was offer up His own attitude, His own actions. Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. In time, the Apostle Paul would have opportunity to write about Jesus, how being in very nature God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking on the form of a, the very nature of a servant, take, being made in human likeness. And He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. He who had no sin became sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Christ's greatness did not come from His manipulating things with His power and authority toward His own personal benefit, but in His serving you and me. The greatest demonstration of all evidenced in His going to the cross and rising from the dead. Consider what this means for you and me. The Apostle Paul declares, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John writes, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. What is more, in Jesus' life of self-sacrifice, not only are you and I blessed as a result, 
But this is one of the primary reasons why Jesus is honored and praised and celebrated among us. As the Apostle Paul further declares, Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Self-sacrifice, servanthood, traveling the road of life and seeing the lives of those lying off in the ditches along the way and deeming their lives important enough for you and I to stop, to look, to listen, to stoop down and to do something, to get our hands dirty, to exemplify the love of Jesus in the midst of their brokenness. As Jesus himself said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. It's worth noting and highlighting that after Jesus' resurrection, the transformation that took place in the lives of his disciples, the Apostle Paul boldly, gladly, frequently refers to himself as either slave or servant of Christ. We see the same self-identity in James and John, Peter, Jude, and Epaphras. Those who made up the early New Testament church turned the world upside down by doing things from the inside out, such as selling their possessions and goods and giving to anyone as he had need. As a result of living a life of servanthood and self-sacrifice, it is further said of the early New Testament church that they enjoyed the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The mark of greatness in God's kingdom is the way of self-sacrifice. And every day you and I are individually called to uniquely impact the lives of others in a way not evidenced out there in the world around us. As a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ, you and I are constantly on assignment to influence others through our acts of simple self-sacrifice and service. What does that look like for us as a congregation well, all you have to do is just overview the, the myriad of ministry opportunities that are being provided by individuals who have risen up and have embraced this role of servanthood among us. Is there more we could be doing? Absolutely. And this is where we need to be bold. We need to be intentional. We need to be generous in envisioning what else it is that we could be doing because this is a significant part of what it means to be the church. But today I would have each of us also ask another question, perhaps a tougher question because it begins to infringe and, and intrude upon the realm of our selfishness and our pride. I start by asking myself, what does living a life of self-sacrifice look like for Dan Shum? But I'm also so bold as to ask the same question of each of you. 
What does living a life of self-sacrifice and servanthood look like for you as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ? What does living a life of self-sacrifice and servanthood look like in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, among our friends, our communities, at our church, out there in the world? Parents, grandparents, what can we do to model to our children, to our grandchildren, this role of servanthood? And what can we do to partner with one another to further increase our impact? My friends, our Lord Jesus has demonstrated that the mark of greatness is in God's kingdom is found in serving others. It is found in helping others realize their worth in God's eyes, their God-given purpose, their God-given potential. In empowering others to be able to deal with and to rise above whatever the hurts or brokenness that they're dealing with in their lives. And in leading others to realize that they are precious children of God. After Jesus washed His disciples' feet, and just before he went to the cross of Calvary, Jesus said this, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen? Amen.